Welcome to Infinite Fellowship Ministries where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will so as to yield fruit for His kingdom. Here is a sermon by Bishop Kobanga J.O. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to go to the ministry of God's word. I know our time is far much spent, but uh, we, we won't rush the service. John chapter 15, verse, from verse 9 to 13. John chapter 15, from verse 9 to 13, New King James Version. As my father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And then um, we then move to Romans chapter 8 from verse 35 to 39. Romans chapter 8 from verse 39 to 39, uh, 35 to actually 39. Who shall se uh, separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written... For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height or depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then 1 John chapter 2, from verse 4 to 5. 1 John chapter 2, from verse 4 to uh, 5. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him, by this we know that we are in him. Um, then 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. And then um, this should be, um, let me see. 1 John chapter 3, for verse 10 to 12. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 to 12. Are we there? 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 to 12. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. And, uh, yeah, 
I think I'll just leave it at there. There's also First John chapter four, verse seven to eleven. But I believe those are the, the, those are the scriptures that I want to read. So, beloved, I'm trusting God by His grace, and I pray that you're going to just bear with me since we are going to end the service at, uh, slightly late. I just want to conclude uh, my sermon series: the realms of the perpetual nature and expression of love, the realms of the perpetual nature and expression of love. Now, I begin by submitting to us, church, that those who have the fear of God at work inside of them, they are the ones who are being constrained or inhibited by the love of God. If you are constrained by the love of God, if you are inhibited by the love of God, then indeed you are the kind of an individual who is walking in the fear of God. Now, the fear of God in this case may, uh, refers to the reverence of God. If you revere God, then that indicates that you have the love of God inside of you. You know, the love of God, what it does is that it compels you to develop and grow in your reverence for God. You cannot revere God unless you love him. And you see, love is something that is revealed. I cannot teach you how to love God. God must reveal his love to you. You know? You must understand that you only esteem the Lord as your sovereign when your life is governed by the sovereign will of God. And everything about you is defined by the love of God. Now understand, friends, everything else will die and there are certain things that will cease to exist in your life and even in this life. But the truth is, there's one thing that will remain, love. Love is something that can neither be created, love can never be destroyed, beloved. You cannot kill love. It's impossible. And love can never be lost. It's people who get lost outside of love. But love can never be lost. But what happens is love can only be hidden in other expressions of life. Hello? Hello. Now, in the realms of the perpetual nature and expression of love, this is a sphere. I refer to it as a sphere of posture. It is a sphere of posture much more than an actual location. Okay? This is a space whereby you access via the right posture of your heart so that you are able to see things from a divine perspective. In other words, the realm of love is the realm of sight. Now, when I talk about the realm of love being the realm of sight, understand, beloved, this is a place whereby you do not rely on your own eyes to see. This is a place whereby, where, whereby the Spirit of God gives you eyes that you are able to see with the eyes of God you're able to see with divine insight. You see, you can be able to see things physically, but you do not have insight. But when you access the citadel of, of, of the realms of love, you, what happens is the Spirit of God gives you eyes. And those eyes enable you to see and to also have a divine understanding as to what is in the heart of God. Because, you know, as a believer, as you go about your life, you'll discover that there are certain things that you struggle with. There are certain things that you do not understand insofar as your work of faith is concerned. There are things about life, there are certain mysteries you do not, uh, you're not able to comprehend. And, and, and as a result, you find yourself leaning on your own understanding. And when you lean on your own understanding, you end up making wrong decisions. And that's why when God ushers us into this particular realm, the realms of the perpetual nature and expression of love, he enables us to receive his eyes so that we are able to see or to perceive with divine insight. 
That's something very important. And you know, in the realm of love, you find that nothing that is human that can suffice. There is nothing that human can suffice. These are places whereby the spirit of Christ comes into play to make you believe that what God sees is what you must see. God wants you and I to see what he sees. God does not want you to see what you see. Because if you, if you rely on what you see, you might end up seeing doom. But when you see with the eyes of the spirit, you are able to see hope even where there is doom. And then this is also a realm whereby whatever is the desire of God becomes your desire. You begin to desire the things of God. You desire the heart of God. You desire the will of God much more than your own desires. It is also a realm whereby you are able to see what God does. And as a result, you'll be able to do the things that God is doing because you have actually seen them. You rely entirely on what you observe the Father doing. You see, Jesus never did anything except what he saw his father do. Do you know why? It was because he was dwelling in the love of his father. Now God is calling us to the place whereby we dwell in his love so that whatever we see him doing, we are able to do. Why? Because the impetus of his love is what causes us to act. That's the truth of the matter. At the same time, you rely entirely on what the father says and you will align yourself accordingly. For there to be alignment, friends, you must be in the realms of the perpetual nature and expression of love. This is a place whereby when God speaks to you, you will align yourself without questioning. The reason why you question sometimes the voice of God and the leadings of God, the reason why we, we resist the promptings of the Holy Spirit is because we are not walking in love. The love of God is not there. But when this love is revealed in you, when God says something, you will not even question you'll be able to say with the hymnologist, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Okay? Now, let me say this, and I want you guys to listen to me very carefully. You know, as much as the church, and when I talk about the church, I'm not just talking about infamy, I'm talking about the body of Christ globally. As much as the church of Jesus Christ is imperfect, you must understand that it still remains the bride of Christ that Jesus Christ died for. Yes, there are things you do not like about the church. And you know, you'll find people saying, you know what, people in church are fake. There is no love in church. Pastors are fake and so on. You know, you'll hear that. But listen here, friends. As imperfect as pastors within the body of Christ may be fake, as imperfect as believers may actually be what they are, remember that is the bride of Christ. And you are part of that bride. Because, you know, you cannot be criticizing what you're a part of. How can you criticize yourself? You say there's no love in church. And the reason why there's no love in church is because you, you do not have love. So don't start criticizing the body of Christ. You can criticize and go to social media and write everything. But listen here. Aren't you part of that body that you're criticizing? So if the church is imperfect, does that make you perfect? Infamy, I'm talking to you. If the church is imperfect, cases of immorality, some pastors are, 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 are gay and so on, and you're so angry about that. So because you're not gay, you're, you want to say that you're not part of that. You are part of that, my friend. 
You may not be practicing it, but the fact that you are part of the body of Christ, meaning you cannot abdicate responsibility, you are there. And remember, friends, Jesus Christ died for the same, same imperfect church where they are lesbians. Yes. You are connected to them. You try and remove yourself from the body and say, you know what, I cannot be part of this. Let me just be me and worship God alone. My friend, you cannot worship a God without the body. If you try to do that, then you are a cultist. You know, you can't claim to love Jesus and yet you hate his imperfect church. You do not like us pastors, but you claim to that, that you're part of the, of the body. My friend, you are a liar, according to the word of God. Hmm? If you love Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the responsibility to love his imperfect church. You have a responsibility to nurture and protect and unify his church. In other words, beloved, we must move from being critical to being people who are able to cover. You see, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Love does not expose sins. When people mess in church, don't think that they're doing something spectacular or something that is out of the ordinary. What people have done in the past and what they're doing right now happened before. It happened during the time of the apostles. That somebody has gotten pregnant. I mean, friends, that is normal. It's something that happens, and it will go on happening. And you know, one thing I've realized, God is not very edgy about the fact that people are falling into sin. God is more concerned about how do we react to sin. You know, there's a difference between reacting and responding. Most times people react instead of responding. The first thing you're supposed to do is to respond in prayer. Now, how do you pray? You pray for yourself that you may not react. And then number two, you pray for those who have fallen into sin. But what happens in church is that we are so reactive. We react to everything. And yet, you know, you forget that your own sins, the ones that people don't know, are yet to be exposed. So at the time when yours gets exposed, even the drastic decisions you make are quite interesting. And those that have backslidden come back to the kingdom and you, you backslide never to come back again. Huh? You must understand, beloved, the Bible says that there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Because, you know, friends, fear has a lot to do with punishment, you know? And whoever that fears has not been perfected in love. The challenge we have in church is that people are operating in fear. And you know, fear is of the devil. Let me help people who struggle with sin. You're struggling with certain habitual sins. You're struggling with your temperament and so on. Listen here. The solution is not for you to stay away from fellowship. That is being irresponsible. Come in the midst of the brethren and tell the brethren, I am having challenges here. I need help. The problem is people do not want to be truthful. You keep certain things to yourself and then they end up killing you. What you don't confess will come and destroy you. One of the ways of confronting sin is by you exposing it. 
Now, the problem is that we are so married into sin until we feel that when I expose sin, I'll expose myself. My friend, it is not you who, 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 who's being exposed. It is the sin that you committed. Isolate yourself from it. Let it be dealt with in church, in, in, in a Bible study or wherever, in, in, the, in, in the council of two or three. Because the Bible says a matter shall be established where there are two or three people. You get what I'm saying, beloved? Yes. And let the brethren pray for you and help you come to the place of being restored. Of course, the Bible says that when somebody has been caught in any act of sin, you who is spiritual, you must restore that person with a spirit of humility, lest you fall. You get what I'm saying, beloved? And that's why, friends, let's be very careful that we do not disdain other people who do things in church. Or people who we feel we do not like because of their personalities. Because another problem we have in the body of Christ is that you despise people because of their personalities. You don't like someone because this person is not like you. My friend, none of us is the standard. Christ is the standard. Hello? I don't care how spiritual you are. You are not the standard. You're getting me, friends? I love the ministry of intercession because I love intercession. But one of the things I've discovered in the body of Christ is that most intercessors, they're very insensitive. They don't care. They don't have love in them. They believe that they're always in communication with God throughout. My friend, we are all in communication with God. The difference is levels. You want to tell me you are much more of an intercessor than Jesus? Jesus who was so friendly. Jesus who would talk to children. You feel you are so holier than thou that you cannot speak to other people. That you say you have the love of God but you hate somebody. My friend, you do not have the love of God. You are of the devil. You, are not be, you need to be born again. I tell guys that at the end of the day, let our example be Christ. What would Jesus do in certain situations? But most people who are in intercession, unfortunately, there's a spirit of pride that comes in them. They even sometimes, in other, in, in other jurisdictions of the body of Christ, they even stop going at, attending church services that they are in prayer and fasting. Prayer, there's a place for prayer and fasting, but we need a balance. Before you pray and fast, you need to sit down in church and hear God's word. If you're not sitting down in church and hearing God's word, if you're not participating in worship, that you feel that you need to worship Kivyako. My friend, that is not being spiritual. That is being carnal. And if within a short time, you'll either become a mad person or you'll end up coming up with your own thing and you call church. Mm. If you want to know someone who is prayerful, look at how they behave towards people. Especially those who are struggling in life. They are good intercessors in the body of Christ, but majority of them, unfortunately, and th that has been my experience, most of them disdain the body of the Lord. And they'll be moving from church to church, you know, sampling what is going on in the church. And I want to submit to you, if ever you find someone who is ever criticizing the body of Christ, run away from that person. Because before long, you'll become as critical as that person. You're getting me? Because good intercession, what it does, it makes you have compassion for people. It makes you have compassion for people. You know, 
sometimes people mistake the gift of discernment for having a disdain for others. Your disdain for people is not a gift of discernment. Hello? Are you together? You know, let me tell you, the church is one place whereby people masquerade as those who operate in the gifts of discernment of spirits. But the truth is, there's no discernment of spirits. You're just full of hatred. You're full of gossip. There's no discernment. I've come across such people. Hmm? A woman some years ago, we, we met in a prayer meeting and she just came and you know, you know how sometimes some of these guys who are prayerful, sniffing around like she's, she, she's able to smell a demon. I feel that that is why you're struggling. I looked at her, I told her, my friend, I am not struggling. You're the one who is struggling. We engaged each other in words, a war of words. By the time that session was over, I was the one who was talking and she kept quiet. I'd come from, from, a, from a prayer mountain. And now here she is now arguing. So I'm telling her, my friend, there's nothing you're telling me. You're the one who has a problem. You know, I'm very prayerful. I'm very careful about my spirit. I just said, you know what? You are carnal. You're full of envy. You're full of jealousy. And I started speaking word of knowledge about what was going on in her life. She started crying. And this was in somebody's house. <laughs> you know how you can go you, you, you've come from prayer and fasting and then you're thinking that okay let me go to this place I hear that there's a minister of God who might speak a, a word into my life and then it's, it so happened that now the, that meeting ended up turning it, it was now me speaking into their lives until I told myself I don't think I want to be going to such meetings because I'm, I, I end up now messing up everything and she was sniffing like a dog Smelling spirits here and there. Hmm? Saying that I'm walking in discernment. I can discern a spirit. And it's not discernment of spirit. You know? It's very, very wrong. Let me tell you something, friends. And as infamy, we thank God for the gifts of the Holy Spirit and so on. But here, I want you to hear me, beloved. Let us not shun people who we think are unspiritual. People who are unworthy to be loved. Do you know those that we think are less important, those are the ones we invest in more. That is the height of maturity. Those who don't speak in tongues, those are the ones you, can, you, you spend more time with. Why are you spending time with someone who is familiar with God, has spoken in the same, same tongues, has never grown into mature tongues? Go to someone who's never spoken in tongues and start speaking their language and help this person come up. Are you forgetting that you're who you are because somebody had to spend time with you those days? So why are you not spending? That's why, you know, this whole idea of us having cliques must die. We can have friends. It's good to have people that you're fond of, but, but, but for heaven's sake, if you're really growing, I want to see more and more of you investing in those that you don't talk to from time to time. Then we know that indeed you are a person who designs the body. But if you're always it's so and so and so and so, you may not know it, but you're a clique. Just a click. Because God does not bring people into our lives that because we want them. He brings people that we need and they need us. Need goes beyond likes and dislikes. Okay? 
So let's not allow the church to be a place where we shun people who are unspiritual or unworthy to be loved. Because, you know, most times, you know, when you find such people, they always exhibit the fruit of their deep-seated triggers that are indicative of a particular heart or sense of loss. People who operate, who purportedly are designing stuff, most times you'll find that they have, the, they have, they have deep-seated triggers within themselves. There's a certain heart. And one thing that I've discovered about spirituality, if God has not healed you from bitterness and unforgiveness, what you perceive as discernment could just be witchcraft. That is why it's, you have to be very careful even when you move in the gift of the Spirit of God, especially word of knowledge. Now, let me tell you, you can be very accurate in word of knowledge, but because of the state of your heart, your word of knowledge gets contaminated because of your heart. One thing God told me is never ever should I give a prophecy when I'm hurt. Because the moment I do so, I may be very accurate. But unfortunately, that there will be no virtue from him that will touch the life of a person. So you find that what that person receives is heart, not love. And that's what's destroying the body of Christ. That's why you find that a lot of people are out there confused because they don't know what's going on. Hmm? God told me, never ever give a prophecy. Don't even move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially when you're not in that right state. And then let's say, for instance, you're in the right state, and then you look at somebody. Word of wisdom is very important. And you know, word of wisdom is very rare in the body of Christ, especially for those who operate in the prophetic. Word of wisdom, what it does is that it will sift and bring a balance in word of knowledge and discernment of spirits. Where you identify the problem, why it came about, and you prescribe a solution. But when you do it, when you're so hurt, my friend, what people will be partaking of is your heart and your pain. Okay? And you know, such people, what happens is they end up projecting their own feelings and pain unto others, claiming what God has said. When they are annoyed, God is annoyed. When they are happy, now God is very happy. And the truth is, it's just emotions. And that's why, friends, as a church, if we are going to get to the level of maturity, and more so in time whereby we speak about revival, you need to identify your triggers and heal your trauma so that you don't walk in suspicion and hate. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get delivered from suspicion and hate. Don't be this kind of a person when you come to church, you're full of suspicion. When people say hi to you, you're very suspicious. Somebody just wants to fellowship with you. Where do you come from? Why do you want to know where I come from? <laughs> you know, I always like to, to keep people at bay. Hmm? Hmm? They are brethren, even in this community. You, you, you are very friendly to somebody, and you can actually tell this person the defenses are up. There's already a barricade, very high wall. Yeah. They think that you have a problem, but the problem is with them. Some of them will even psychoanalyze you. And you know, sometimes I laugh. I always laugh at some people. Listen here, friends. Why would you want to stay in such a bondage? Hmm? 
And some of the things that we have been praying and trusting God for, the answers are in our midst. It's just a question of how you compose yourself. You know, when you treat somebody nice, when you speak nice to somebody, when you go past someone's personality, or the fact that this person does not appear like he or she has resources, the person may not have resources but might have a wisdom that will give you a key to what you're looking for. You have been fasting and praying, but you're the same. You read the Bible, you pay your, you do everything, but you're the same. Do you know why you're the same? It's because of how you look at someone. Yet within that clique of viewers, that is a clique that comprises of powerless people. They are so powerless in so far as what you're looking for is concerned. No, let's tell each other the truth. Your clique is powerless. Now, am I saying that you, 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 for, you, <laughs> am I saying you forsake your friends? No, that's not what Bishop is saying, but listen here. Keep your friends, but remember the answer is outside that circle. That is how some of us have survived. I also have friends, but let's, let me tell you something. When I'm seeking God, I tell the Lord, you know what? On this matter, you'll have to lead me. And I've gotten my answers in places I least expected. A person that I, I, I ordinarily would not talk to, but because of the leading of the Spirit, we sit down with that person and the person tells me everything that I need. I'm telling you. When my mother passed on last year, some of the people who came through for us were not necessarily our friends. I and my sister especially. I didn't know some of the friends of my own younger sister. My sister is last born. She's the only lady in the family. She always tells us that I'm the mother of this family now that mom is gone. So treat me with the care and we say, yes, my sister. She's younger. But the thing is this. I relied so much on her own networks. Some of our friends are not believers. But my friends... Beloved, let me tell you, these people came through in ways that we never expected. My networks in Kisumu, most of them have relocated out of Kisumu. That thing humbled my father. Because, you know, my dad was very critical of the kind of people my sister hangs around with. But during mom's passing, that is when my father appreciated some of the friends of my sister. Some of them are not born again. But you give them a task to do, they will do it. When it came to even resources, we even got resources from some of them. I'm telling you. Now, if at all we had stayed within our circle, we know we are brethren. We need to get... And yet, Akuna Pesa Apo. People are so dry. You know, we need to pray. We are believing God for money to buy a coffin and so on. Aita Kuja. You know, you know, God can teach you humility through various ways. Yeah. I'm telling you, so never despise people out there. Infamy. Don't despise people. Sometimes, you know, there are seasons whereby those that we love most may not do what we are seeking for, but it doesn't mean make them bad. But there are people out there that just by how you relate with them, they come through for you. And as a result, they may end, if at all they are not born again, they'll get saved. That's why we must walk in love. Love goes beyond feelings. I'm telling you, friends. Hmm? You must know, beloved, 
Don't allow your trauma to speak louder than your love and witness for Christ. When trauma begins to speak, I'm telling you, it's painful. Of course, it's good to admit that you're going through trauma, but don't allow it to, to speak in Christ's name. Those who are listening to you may get the wrong picture. Okay? And then also, sometimes you come across people in your life and they become part of you and you love them. There are those seasons whereby people just come and so on. And then, you know, after some time, like us in Femi, you lose them along the way. And then, you know, you keep questioning as to what happened. You would even feel hurt. Maybe you might feel that you're not good enough. But let me tell you, friends, losing people or losing friends or closer acquaintances is part and parcel of life. And what they do is that they come to teach you how to handle life alone. Okay? These are people who, who, who teach you to, to, to be able to grow out of pain. The loss of friends was meant to change you to be a better person. You get what I'm saying, church? You know, as a community, we have had people who've come and gone, and some of you have been wondering now why and so on. Listen, these people, their departure was for your good. It was more of for your good. They came to teach you how to handle life alone. Because maybe you had reached a point where you are too dependent on them. And God does not want you to be too dependent on a single individual. God wants you to be dependent on him. Even when he uses a particular person to come through for you, that person is not God. He or she is not God. You get what I'm saying, beloved? So whenever you lose friends... Remember, God is also teaching you how to grow out of pain. Because maybe as a person who just loves pain, you are, you are so married to pain, you fellowship with pain through in and out. God wants you to grow out. And that's why you keep on losing, losing people in your life. And that's why the loss of people, loss of individuals is basically supposed to change you to become a better person. Because friends, the bedrock of life is not pain. The bedrock of life is love. Love is the source and the evidence of life, church. Love is what sustains life. You get what I'm saying, beloved? Yes. And then the other thing is love is basically the demonstrated power that expresses the essence of life. You're getting me? What I'm saying? Love is also the exalted spirit of life which expresses the fire that consumes the heart of the believer. I remember saying in the summit day three that love is basically the nerve center that allows the perpetual streams of light to flow in the multiple channels that fulfills the purpose of God. I also remember telling us during that particular time, for those of you who are not paying attention, that love is a completion of everything. It, it is a completion of everything that pertains to your life as well as also destiny. And then, you know, one thing about love that I love most is that love takes you beyond the veil of imperfection that limits your ability to express your potential. Okay? When you love people, beloved, you go beyond the veil of their imperfection. Hmm? Because what happens is, when you focus so much on imperfection, you end up being limited. When I see your imperfection, what happens is I consign myself within the place of limitation. And therefore, I'll be unable to express my potential. But when I hang out with you, I'm able to trust God to see beyond the veil 
of visibility. I'm able to see what potential you have in Christ, notwithstanding that you are imperfect. Hmm. Now, what is the deepest definition of love? Or what isn't the definition of love? Listen, beloved. The deepest definition of love is, is, is the, the, the deepest definition of love is not to give. I know that that's probably what some of us would think. Love is not necessarily giving. The deepest definition of love is to lose. That is how to define love. Give and it shall be given to you. Pressed down together. Shaken. <laughs> running over. Yeah, that is scripture. But listen here. The deepest definition of love is to lose, not to give. You know, God the Father did not just give up his son, beloved. God lost his son. He lost his son to the world because of love. The Bible says he loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. He lost him. Okay? You know, when self begins to occupy your mind, what happens is you become unable to manifest love. All right? Because true love is selfless, if you didn't know. Okay? And that's why it's important for you not only to love your brethren who are in Christ, but even there are those who are outside Christ that you must love them. Okay? You're getting me for your beloved? Because love in the full sense of the word is, 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 is boundless. Love does not have boundaries. Now, the greatest law is not the same as the greatest love. You see, the greatest law, and Jesus, you know, Jesus was able to summarize it very well in scripture. The greatest law is to love your neighbor as yourself. All right? Now, what is the greatest love? To love your neighbor more than yourself. You see, Jesus summarized the law and the prophets as loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. That is fulfilling the law. And Jesus spoke these words before he went to the cross. But after he went to the cross, the bar was raised. That you love your neighbor more than yourself. You getting me? God loved mankind. That he gave his only son. He lost his son. God preferred to lose his son Jesus Christ to the fallen world so that so as to redeem mankind. And that's why you find Jesus decided to let go of his throne. He let go of his authority. He let go of the privileges of the celestial courts of heaven to come and become like man. He left that to come and save us. That is love. Because he preferred that the church be sealed eternally. And that's why, beloved, no matter how much the church of Jesus Christ may appear to be disgraceful, no matter how much she may mock her Christ, you must understand Christ will never reject the church which is his bride. That is how much God loves us. No matter how disgraceful we are, he will never reject us. That is to tell us, beloved, no matter how disgraceful a congregant in this community is, let's not reject that congregant. Yeah, You're getting me? Infamy? People may do things, of course they've been doing things, some of them, crazy things, but no matter the kind of disgrace they may bring to us as a community or to you as a person, 
do not give up on that person. I tell a few, and some of you have heard me saying this, that, you know, me, I will not give up on you because you, you know you're a son, even though you may be very dishonorable. It is you who will give up on me, but not the other way around. And I've proved it a couple of times. There are those who live in infamy, and then after some time when they meet me, they expect me to be very angry, and they find that I'm just smiling and I'm behaving like things are normal. Bishop, can we go for coffee? Why not? With all pleasure. We sit down and we talk and we go without even revisiting what happened. You know? To the point even when they go through their messes outside there, it's so funny that I'm the first person they confide in and I'm a willing pastor. Because you find that there are pastors out there, they'll only love you until the time when you bring disgrace upon yourself. Yeah. But for some of us, we give time. Hmm? when someone has done something disgraceful if that person reaches out to you please listen to that person don't use it as an opportunity to condemn that person and remind that person you know what you remember how you left infamy in a disgraceful way now God is punishing you that is immaturity you know, when people have messed up, they are already being dealt with by God. So don't, don't become an instrument. Don't say that I'm now God's instrument to deal with this person. That is wrong. That is an opportunity for you to extend grace to that individual. You getting me, friends? You see, Christ will never reject his bride. And if Christ will never reject his bride, don't reject somebody. Yes, it's two people can be very annoying. Yes. Some of you are very annoying in the past. But you are here. I've not put you in a particular level. <laughs> I mean, if you, if, if you tell me, Bishop, I want us to, to, to bond, and I, will, I will create time. Even if I forget. I like, I like the fact that there are people in this church who will not give me rest until I put up an appointment. You know? You know, Deno's wife is a kind of person when she wants to see you, she will pester you, pester you until you give her audience. I like that. Is she around? Oh, she's out. One thing about, oh, yes, Mrs. Muduri will, will push. And I think some of you guys who are in the various departments, I think you know that. That is good. You know, for her, she will pester you. She will tell you, yes, I need to know how things are done. That is good. You don't just go giving up on people. Ah, I'm a nyamaza. My friend, push. Especially for me, you are allowed to push and push and push because I am in the ministry of long suffering. <laughs> it's true. That's how it's supposed to be. Okay? Don't just relax and just give up. Push, my friend, push. Hmm? Some of them, when they come home, they know where my pantry is. I'll not mention names anyway. And you know, I'm not even complaining. Because you see, if you cannot be free in my house, then why are you called a son? What's wrong with you? Eh? There are those who will say, they'll say hi to me while they're going to the kitchen. And if there's nothing, I'll be asked, do you have snacks? Or I remember Deacon Skills used to, used to put it this way. 
Do you have something to chew? <laughs> I feel like chewing. I think I really miss, I, 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 I miss Rev skills. You know now he's a reverend. He used to do that. And I used to love that because at least it tells me he is free. Okay? Of course, I, of course there are certain rules and regulations in, in my kitchen, but that does not mean that you, you should not exercise your liberty. Why, why can't you exercise your liberty and yet there are things to chew? Okay? You get what I'm saying? You see, loving your neighbor as yourself is the greatest of all laws, according to the word of God. Eh? But remember, beloved, when the law was fulfilled in Christ when he went to the cross, let me submit this with a lot of care and I'm going to qualify it. Loving your neighbor as yourself no longer applies to a believer in the New Testament. After the cross. I know that's hard, eh? Listen here. Loving yourself cannot fulfill the demand of divine justice. Because, you see, Jesus did not love us as himself. Jesus loved us more than himself, and that is why he died so that you and I might live. Okay? And that is why true love is to lose so that another person may gain. Hmm? You get what I'm saying? You see, loving your neighbor as yourself is the summation of the law, but, it does, it, but, 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 but you must understand, it, it, that in and of itself cannot fulfill the law. It is Jesus who fulfilled the law. Jesus is the one who fulfilled the law. But you living as per that particular dictate does not fulfill the law. You see, when you fulfill the law, or rather in order to fulfill the law, love must go beyond self. Love, uh, and, and look at it this way, and we've actually read it in one of the scriptures. Love must first of all be received from God, such that you're able to love one another just as God has loved you. In other words, it cannot be about what I have as love. I must receive love from God. He must reveal it in me. And just as God has revealed it unto me, I'm able to, re, you know, to allow myself to be a channel through which God will reveal his love to you, such that I love you as God has loved me, not loving you as I love myself. Are you seeing the difference? Loving you as I love myself is dangerous because I might reach a point where I'm, I'm unable to love myself. So what happens? If, if I'm not able to love myself because of the things I'm going through in my life, my friend, you'll, you'll begin to think I hate you. But if it is God himself at work, it is no longer me, but it is God at work in me. So much as I'm going through a crisis, I am still able to love you as God has loved me. Okay? You see, this is a love whereby, beloved, you lose everything so that your neighbor may gain. This is a love that invests in your neighbor's life and happiness while you lose. Whatever is gained to you, beloved, you must lose it for your neighbor to gain. That is a, that's the word of God. If God has given me an opportunity right now, I transfer that opportunity to you. Because I'm going to gain it. Whoever wants to gain in this life must, must be prepared to lose it. That's what Jesus said. But if you're, not, if you're not prepared to lose anything in this life, my friend, you're going to lose it and you'll never get anything in eternity. We must come to the place whereby in as much as God has blessed us, he's given us opportunity, he's given us grace, let us allow other people to be partakers of the same, even if it means being inconvenienced. 
The challenge we have in the world today, and especially in the church, is that people do not want inconveniences. You do not want to lose. Hmm? You've planned your program, how your day is going to be. You pray for six hours. And then somebody here wants ministration. You feel like this will interrupt your prayers. So you don't attend to this person. A person is sick in hospital or at home. You can't even create time to go visit that person. Why? Because you've got other things you need to do. My friend, why, where's the place of sacrifice? If at all we love people. You know, love is sacrifice. If you cannot sacrifice for somebody, my friend, you're selfish. You do not know love. You're waiting for the time when it's going to be most convenient. Beloved, we are moving to a, a year whereby we must be prepared to be inconvenienced. In 2024, a lot of things will inconvenience you, but beloved, it will be a test. And if you fail this test in 2024, it might take a long, long time before you're able to capture something. Beloved, 2024 is, is a year whereby you will be on the cutting edge. Yeah. You have to be more sensitive very, very sensitive. Where you are needed somewhere, but there's something God wants you to do for somebody. Yes. Whereby, yes, you've got your program, but God has also, has also got his agenda. So which one are you going to go for? Hmm? You know, if you want to gain, beloved, before you lose your life, you will lose it and you'll never gain it ever again. Because, you see, God's definition of love, it shatters our limited conceptions of devotion. And it also reveals the inadequacies that are there in how we define love. God defined love by becoming human. Going to the cross. Because it was only by going to the cross that we were able to be drawn to Christ. That might, and you see, what that means, beloved, is that there is a certain level, if I may use this word, of pain. There's a level of pain that we have to go through to draw people to God. In other words, there's a certain level of painful sacrifice. You invest your all in a person who is thankless. And now I, don't, I know we don't want to hear that. Beloved, let me tell you, just because you're very thankful does not mean that the people you're going to meet out there are very thankful. Many of them are thankless. And you know why they're thankless? They don't even know what it means to be grateful. So we don't need to be hard on people. Yes. You know, as a pastor, I've learned that. You, you pastor communities such as this, and you know, when you're a pastor, you open your life to people and it is risky. People come to your house and the next thing, matters of your house will be discussed in the market, in the estate, and so on. You buy a carpet, and the next thing is that people will know that you have this color of the carpet. That is what it means to be a pastor. Being a pastor means that, you know, when, when, you've, when, you've, when you've bought an electronic, be prepared for a carnal congregant to talk about how the tithes and the offerings are the ones that went towards buying that. Yes. So now the question is, do I stop inviting people home? No. Let them come. Let them come. Do I reject them? No. Because some people grew up in families where they never knew what it means to appreciate anything. They don't know. 
And when we teach them how to be grateful to God by being grateful for them, they will learn. They'll definitely learn, beloved. Okay? You see, beloved, when you look at it even from, from, from the word of God, love is defined whereby God seeks to embrace mankind at the time when mankind is rejecting God. How many of us are prepared to embrace those who reject us? Oh, Bishop, you know, people say a lot of things about infamy. We are this and that. We are a funny church. Yes, they will say, and they'll keep on saying. Now, if you have a problem with that, why are you here? Infamy? Why are you so quiet? The truth of the matter is this. We cannot change our identity to please anybody. But we will go on loving people. If we can remain consistent and ensure that our church culture is true to the word of God. Do you know some of these guys might have a change of mind? Some of you. Do you remember how you used to think about salvation those days when you're not saved? Including me. I used to despise people who used to pray loudly and praying in tongues. I used to say, what bunch of fools are these ones who are just making, making noise left, right, and center? In Ujinga. Yes. I'm telling you, beloved. Those are days there, but you know, you know, Pastor Wilfred Lai is the first preacher in this country to preach on TV, KBC, the first one. Whenever I would see, uh, what was it called? Not Revival Times, what was the name? Lai, I, I, I think he still uses it on JCC TV. When, when he's in the 80s, in the early 80s, whenever I would see him, I would switch off the TV and get, get very angry. What nonsense is this, making, making so much noise? I didn't know that this thing was going to catch up with me. I'm telling you, I never used to like that. And then I became more mad when other preachers started joining. And of course, now there was, is then later on, Apostle Harry Das came in and so on, and these other guys. I never used to understand. I mean, I was brought up Catholic. Mass is one and a half hours. Things are supposed to be orderly. The singing is orderly and according to key. You need to listen to the, key, to the organ, not keyboard, organ. Notes, you know. I would go for, for Mass and I would feel like I'm, I'm in the celestial courts of heaven. Whereby you sing. You know, I used to like that. I was brought up Catholic. I didn't know that I would get born again and become noisy. In family, listen, next year, if you're going to be very sanctimonious the way you've been sanctimonious this year, Shauriako. You get what I'm saying? I am Pentecostal. And the church is supposed to be a place of noise. Watch how nyamaza nyamaza muna nyamaza like intellectuals. You're not attending a lecture. You're in church. You're supposed to be noisy and on fire. Are we together in Femi? Watch kutulia kama maji ya mutungi. You're supposed to be on fire. Where, where, where things are just in a mess. That's how we grew up. I grew up in a church where by things were fire. The preaching was fiery. The worship was fiery. 
Demons are just manifesting in the midst of the service. No one is even laying hands on you. In fact, whenever people saw you, you if let's say, if let's say in the midst of worship or the preaching, you fall down and you start manifesting the, the demons, people know that you are, you are a new person. Yeah. You're sorted out, and the next thing, when you wake up, you, 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 and you find someone speaking in tongues, even without even being led to the sinner's prayer. I'm telling you. So next year, we better be prepared to be very, very noisy. Extremely noisy. Yeah? You know, Cardinal has been the only one making noise. You guys need to be noisy. <laughs> yeah? You need to be noisy. Okay? Listen, Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross in Luke chapter 23, 34, you know the very, very famous words he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. We must learn to forgive people even when they persecute us because they don't know what they are doing. The people who talk ill of you, that colleague who undermines you, do you think, the, do you think these people know what they are doing? They don't even know what they are doing. You have to love them. Okay? You must be a kind of a person who pours his or her life as a drink offering without conditions, without limitations, even while you are undergoing a torturous moment. When you're being persecuted in the office, at the place of business, when you're dealing with civil authorities and so on, it is normal. If you're following Christ, my friends, you must be a partaker of his sufferings because suffering has a prophetic purpose. You're saying that you want to know love. That is love. Because Jesus allowed his body to be shattered and his blood to be spilled out for our salvation. And that's why, beloved, divine love is without condition and it has no boundary. Okay? Because divine love is the sum of all things. And from divine love flows every other thing. Anything else that is outside of divine love is a kind of love that is selfish and it is darkly rooted in lusts and desires. Okay? You get what I'm saying, beloved? Hmm? And you know, Jesus knew very well, even when he said this was love your neighbor as yourself, he knew very well that that, in, that inner of itself is not sufficient. And that is why Jesus decided to take the love that he had received from his father and he conferred it upon us. You and I must take that love that you have received from the father. That is how, if at all you've received from the father. The love that God the father has given to you, you give it to somebody. Okay? That's how it's supposed to be. Mm. And remember, you cannot give your life as a sacrifice without giving out love. Jesus had to precede giving up his life by loving the world. Why is it that people struggle with sacrifice, especially when it comes to offerings and tithes? It's because people do not love. When you love God and love him genuinely, you'll not withhold anything from you. You'll not need, you'll not need a pastor to read a scripture to you. You know, in some places, they have to read a scripture and explain it so that you give properly. My friend, here we don't do that. When you love God, you'll not, you'll not be limited by 10% or 15%. Your percentage is God. 
God percent. Where you allow the spirit of God to move you to doing things. And I usually like that kind of giving. Where you're moved by the spirit of God. Where you lift the bar. Yani the bar goes beyond 10%. Because you love him. That is what the New Testament is all about. Okay? So you have to give love first. Before you offer your life. Because beloved, until you give up the love that you have for yourself, beloved, you can never sacrifice for an individual. Now, am I trying to say that you hate yourself? No. I'm just saying that whatever has been, whatever good that God has been to you, be the same to somebody. Even if it will mean you losing an opportunity. In other words, invest in people. Don't invest in people at your convenience. Don't be too programmed. You getting me, friends? Don't say that, you know, this is my time to get married, so uh, you wait until I get married, then we'll revisit this matter later on. There's no revisiting. The only time to invest is now. If it interferes with your wedding budget, Gloria. Hmm. If it interferes with her wedding budget, let, it, let, let, let that budget be in, in, in interfered with because of somebody. That is how much God wants us to value people. But if a budget of a wedding or of a birthday bash or whatever is, is, is something that you value more than somebody beloved, then you're not worth to follow Christ. You're not fit for the kingdom according to the word of God. It's true. We must be sacrificial. There are times, you know, I plan the, uh, how, how, how I want my finances to be and the Spirit of God leads me to someone that I don't even talk to. There's a pastor in one of the fellowships that I belong to. It's not that we are friends, but the Lord put a figure of an amount of money to give to this person. I didn't even know why. And to be frank, I needed that money, they know. I needed it. Na kusema kweli kama ningekuwa kimwili ningekwazika. Lakini kwa sababu ninaelewa kutii yale ambayo masharti ya ya kiroho nilitimiza. And when I gave I felt good about it. Didn't feel like uh, nimepoteza. Wengine hapa mkitu mnapoleta madhabu yenu you feel like I now have given now I'm going to suffer for the next one month. Who said you're going to suffer? Hmm? Love must be given to someone because you see that person as being part of you. When I'm giving to you, it's because I see you as being part of me. When I invest in you, I'm also investing in myself. Do you know how it works? It doesn't necessarily mean that if you become better, you're going to do it back to me. That is the world. That is merry-go-round. The kingdom of God is not a place for merry-go-round. If I invest in Mrs. Ochieng, she will invest in somebody. That person invests in another person and another person. And then what God does, God will bring somebody else outside that circle of the merry-go-round and invest in me. But the challenge is, we are so much in that kaklik state. It has to go round, 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 round. You know, that's very go around. That is not investing in the kingdom. Investing in the kingdom whereby you do it to someone 
and it will not come back to you there. What God does, God will bring it from the other direction. And the person that he's using is a person who's not connected to this other person. That is love. That is love, beloved. Hmm? Because, beloved, this is the greatest kind of love that God promulgated before even the emergence of the cross. This was love that was in eternity. That's why the Bible says the Son of God was slain from the foundations of the earth. Okay? Of the world, rather. Hmm? And one thing about the love of Christ is this, beloved. This is a love that does not gain, it doesn't care whether it gains or loses. We are very mindful about whether we are going to gain and whether we are going to lose. When you love, beloved, I don't care if Mutuku will gain. If Mweke, or rather, I will not care if I'm, I'm, I'm gaining or losing to Mweke. If I'm going to lose so that he gains, so be it. I've invested in him and I'm not expecting him to reciprocate to me. Hmm? And you know, friends, the love of Christ keeps losing even, when, even though it keeps loving. I know that is hard. Eh? The love of Christ will keep losing. It will keep losing. Yet you continue to love. What happens with us? We reach a point, we say, you know what, we are wasting time. You have to keep losing. If you cannot uh, uh, submit yourself to that particular doctrine, then my friend, you're not fit for the kingdom. Just live like an unbeliever. Hmm? You get what I'm saying, beloved? Hmm? This is love that is without an expectation. Hmm? It is love that does not have any expectation. You're, you're, you're not looking for a gain. Okay? You, you're understanding what I'm saying, beloved? Because... You see, the law of Moses, much as it was fulfilled in Christ, but you must understand that love has taken a higher calibration. It has, it has, taken a, it has been calibrated to a certain level whereby you begin to understand that you are supposed to love whereby you're not expecting an expectation. There is no expectation. You are selfless. Where there is no lust. Because lust is a perversion of love. And what lust does is that it turns profit to yourself. All right? What is lust? Lust is loving a thing to satisfy the demands of your own pleasure. That is lust. And that is where immorality is rooted. And that is why the first principle of love is not to gain. The moment gain becomes your priority of love, it is called lust. You understanding what I'm saying, church? Is that so hard? Eh? You know, the love of God the Father is not in material possession we have as believers. Neither is it in the degree of service we render to him. Eh? And this is the perception of the world and a section of the church that is ignorant of the heart of God the Father. Understand, beloved, and this is especially for those of you who serve in church, the heart of God our Father is for us to live our precise identity in Him. That is what He's looking for. So that everything that we do in His name, we are doing it in the reality of our life, 
in, in the, in, within the construct of our identity in him. And the heart of God the Father is that we enjoy every level of our inheritance. You can be serving at the altar here, but you're not enjoying your level of inheritance. You can be a member of the media and sound team, but you're not enjoying your level of inheritance. No wonder some, after some time, some people resign from department saying that the grace is over. The truth is that you're not walking in identity. You're looking for recognition. You're looking for approval. When you're serving God, there's no, there's no such a thing as, I, I need people to approve me. If a season comes and you're told to sit down, don't get offended. Sit down and humble yourself and just listen to the word of God. God is just preparing you. And some of us do not want to be told to sit down. Hello? When you look at the story of the prodigals, and I think this is where we see love very practical. You know, when this guy goes back home, he did not go home to demand another set of inheritance. He fell on the embrace of his dad. Okay? And you know, beloved, to his father, that embrace was much more than all that he gave his son. Yes, the son lost everything that he was given to prodigal lifestyle. But the thing is, is the fact that the boy came back home, the dad valued the embrace that the son gave him. It was of great value. Okay? That embrace was, was, was much more important to him than what the son lost in prodigal living. And, and you see, to the son, the greatest moment was when he made up his mind to go back home. When he made up his mind to go back home. When he made up his mind to go back to the things of God. When he's made up his mind to go back to the kingdom of God. The problem we have in church is that we come because we have the expectation of something material. You come because you're looking for a job. You come because you're looking for sponsorship. You come because you're looking for a you know, scholarship and so on. You come because you are needed. And that is why you find that people sometimes find it very hard to stay in a community such as this because you're looking for something. And you know, as a pastor, I can tell this one is looking for something. And what I do is that I deliberately act like I'm insensitive. Not because I'm insensitive. I want that person's heart posture to be right. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Or what I do, and I'm sure the board members can tell you this, a request will be made to me about someone who is in need, and I don't consider that request as important. But somebody else's request is important. So what happens is, the person who thought that his or her need is important begins to feel like, why am I being ignored? Why am I not being respected? Mbona fulani anaangaliwa? That's when I know, ah, so you're, you're, you're just in the kingdom because you're looking for stuff. Because as far as God is concerned, what you think is priority is not priority for you. What if your help is going to come from outside the church? When you join the kingdom, beloved, you must understand you are joining the kingdom not to receive anything of material benefit because your inheritance is in Christ. Let's begin from there. Hmm? 
the prodigal son went home to receive and experience the unconditional love that his father would give him. You see, unconditional love it does not consist on, of what you receive materially. Unconditional love is something that is beyond that which is material. Because things which are material, they will always have an expiry date. Okay, guys? And that is why I understand that the love of the Father is revealed in dealings, not in things. <laughs> the Father's love is revealed in dealings. Process. The infamy lingo. Okay? Now, listen. Dealings can either be pleasant or unpleasant. And of course, for infamy, it is the, it, 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 it is the latter. Okay? Dealings may be unpleasant to your emotions, huh? but it is for your own good and for the sake of alignment. All right? Do you know God can take away your job to help you, to help you get on track if that job is contending with his will for your life? Huh? Let me tell you, those of you who love your jobs, hey, hey let me not uh, speak doom. Some of you don't understand what, what I'm saying. If God knows that your job or your business is contending with his will, he will take it away and allow you to stay in that state. You get what I'm saying, beloved? God can take away the things that you love, the things that you're attached to, in order to lead you to righteousness. Parents, listen to me. You love your kids? Yeah. That can also be taken away. I don't want, I, I wish I had another way of putting it, but uh, it's hard. God can take away children. Or you think you're much better than those who've lost their kids? Bishop, that is harsh, but it's true. When you make your child become an idol, sometimes you, it, it will go. Because God, you see, our God is a jealous God and he will never share his glory with anybody. So there are times that, that, that such things can happen. Hmm? You're getting me? So what is it that is standing in your way to loving God? Is it your job? Is it your spouse? Hello? You did a holy, mat uh, a holy wedding. Yes, it's true it was holy. Assuming if it was. You are blessed. You receive the blessings of the church. You are pronounced husband and wife. Whatsoever God shall join together, let no slay queen put you asunder. And you believed. And then the next thing is, the devil starts rocking things in your marriage. And then you come to Bishop and say, but Bishop, God spoke to me about this man, this, this woman. It is true God spoke, but the problem is not what God said. The problem is you. You've made this marriage and this person become an idol. You get what I'm saying? Yes. 
spouses, you'll have to bear with me, but uh, can I say something to spouses? Some of you, you value your partners more than God. Here, not, 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 not those who are watching, here. You know, I watch how people carry themselves. I watch even how, you know, even how you behave. And you know, I usually say, God, I wish these people could actually know what they are doing to themselves. Thank God for marriage. Marriage is good. It is of God. But your spouse is not God. There's a place where you must make sure that only God occupies in your heart. Not your husband, not your wife. Because there will come a season whereby your partner will need you, will have to rely on your prayers, on your faith, for, that, for things to stand in that union. Now, if both of you are busy worshipping and adoring each other and Christ is not there, what happens when, during that time of tribulation? You marry someone and that person makes your prayer life go down. You marry somebody and most times you are inconsistent in attending church service. You're going for this meeting and that meeting. What happens when all those opportunities go? Hello? I know you don't want to hear that. Because you see, a time may come whereby the things that you're chasing after will be taken away. So what happens now to you? We don't now say that it's because you're still in infamy so the grace has been lifted. Huh? Don't allow your partner to become a God. There's a place where God wants to be God in your life. Don't say, but you know the Bible says we are one. It is true, you're one, but you're still individuals. Each of you has a mind. I'm not trying to say that you start contending with each other, but remember, a time comes whereby your own spouse will hold you to account for misleading him or her. So make sure you've raised yourself to a level whereby Christ is Lord in your life. And you are able to balance things out, Vizuri. You're getting what I'm saying, beloved? Marriage is good. It is of God. But don't allow your spouse to be God in your life. Because that's what the devil likes to do to people. Let not your spouse interfere with your prayer life. Let not your spouse interfere with your word life. Encourage your spouse to pray with you. Encourage your spouse to read. The, I mean, do Bible study together as husband and wife. If you're not doing Bible study, my friends, you're messing things up. Because also, if you're also just, if you abandon your spouse and you're trying to say, you know what, I'll work out my salvation with fear and trembling because Papa said my spouse will not be a God. Now that is taking it a little bit too far. You have to journey together. But ensure that the, that space, that vacuum that is in your heart must be occupied by God and God alone. Because there will be that time whereby both of you will be, driv- will, will be drinking from that reservoir. But if you do not have any reservoir of the word of truth, and of the presence of God, what happens during those difficult moments? What happens? Let's stand.